Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. We're right now in the middle of a Heart for the House series. Uh, Heart for the House is our time where we uh, take some time. We just we do it every single year. We take some time out of our calendar. We go, okay, God, uh, you've been faithful to us. We've been, hopefully, most of us have been faithful to you in our giving. And we want to learn more about uh, what your heart is for our church, for our region, and what you want to do through us as a church. And on the other side of that, we want to give above and beyond our regular giving to all that you want to do through our church. Of course, right now, Emmanuel Bible College is a big part of that conversation. But as we've been mentioning, uh, that's only been a part of the conversation for this Heart for the House. Usually we do Heart for the Houses, and a building has never really come up because we've been mobile and and, it hasn't been necessary. But during this season and during this part of our conversation, or or during this uh, Heart for the House season, uh, it is a part of our conversation. And so one of the things that we've just been reminding, we had a Q&A on uh, Tuesday, more about the building. And uh, we had, I think, close to about 100 people show up to that and just asked a ton of questions. I was so tired afterwards. Um, but one of the questions that came up was, okay, like, what, what, what happens next? Like, is it our building? And, uh, and it's like, well, maybe. Uh, Heart for the House kind of helps determine that. And so uh, if you've been a part of previous Heart for the Houses, um, there's been a, a wide range of giving that's come in on those on those Sundays. Uh, in our previous Heart for the House, we had about $290,000 come in on that one Sunday. That was six months after we had done a Heart for the House. And so this year, we're, we're praying and we're hoping for $500,000 to come in. And what that will go to is the work of the church and what we're doing as a church, as well as being able to purchase this building. Um, so next week, it's kind of like the deciding date, whether or not we move forward with this. If we do, we close on May 31st, which is extremely, extremely fast. And uh, what that enables is for EBC to have a cash infusion that they can look forward to September. What it enables us is to start dreaming over the next year of how we would use that building and to move all of our HQ space there by September of this year. And so that's really exciting. So that's kind of the, the down low on where we're at with Heart for the House and, and what we're looking forward to. Of course, as I mentioned, Heart for the House is not a ploy to get a building. We've been doing this for a number of years. And uh, really what we want to communicate is the heart of our church. The building is one part of it, but we do not cross a finish line by build, buying a building as a church. It is merely a checkpoint in what God has for us as a church. And so we have a video that our team sat down. It's part two of last week, and it's the final part, um, where we sat down with our lead team discussing the vision and the future of Slate Church. And so I just encourage you, wherever you find yourself, to take a look at the screen and uh, hear more about what God's doing in our church. Hey church, we are here with week two uh, surrounding talking about a healthy home and what that looks like and vision for the future. You know, this is a a great opportunity for us to sit around and just chat about this and let you in on some of these conversations that we've been having. But really, you've been part of these conversations as well all along. And, you know, we're talking right now about what it means to have a healthy home, what it means to be a healthy home as a church. And, you know, there's a lot of different components of this when it comes to what we talked about last week around families and, 
and, and being a family as a church, not just parents with young kids or anything like that, but really what does it mean to, for all of us to, to gather together as a family and bring that out? And then also having a home base and being able to extend out of that. So we're, we're going to continue that conversation today and keep sharing this vision that God's really put on our heart for this next year and beyond. Yeah, in any healthy home, uh, what we see is that that home and that family is growing. Uh, you know, if, if we're just stagnating, if we're just like, okay with th- how things have been and we're just trying to maintain things, I mean, eventually in that environment, things begin to crumble. Yeah. And so I know that um, growth, um, development, mm-hmm. discipleship has been on our hearts for a long time, yeah. but this year we want to take it even deeper. I'm wondering, Jared, if you could kick it off with some of the ways in which you see growth happening within uh, the teams you lead and some of the things that you're doing. Yeah, I think when it comes to like a team standpoint and some of the stuff that um, I get to work with, that idea, I know growing up, if I think about my own life and my own experience in my, my home as I'm getting older, my parents are always pulling out of me all these different things that are inside of me, whether it be giftings or passions or skills yeah. and helping me develop yeah. those things. And I think that that's like one of the greatest things about being able to, to lead so many things with teams and being able to serve on teams is that you actually get to pull some of those things out of people. Right. So I can imagine over time, when it comes to like our worship team, just pulling out more of that creativity and that desire to, to worship God that's been placed in people, those giftings, those unique giftings. I was talking about it kind of like a magnet. It attracts those types of people, but it also pulls out of them the giftings that God's placed inside yeah. of them. And so um, whether that be like a, a, a community around, around worship where there's creativity or a community around comms where we're creating really interesting video content, audio content, yeah. or whether that be um, like even just people being faithful and dedicated to, to build church day in and day out, whether that be on muscle team or host team, welcoming people, but really kind of taking mm-hmm. the gifts that God has placed inside people and, and pulling those out of them all the right. time. Yeah. From a team standpoint, that's kind of how I, I think through that. It's cool. Yeah. On some of those creative ideas or on the creative levels, one thing that I've appreciated about our church is we've always had represented on the platform, if we could call it that, um, who's in our church, and really it's a reflection of our city, mm. both in you know demographics, uh, uh, ethnicity, gender, all the rest. It's like it's represented well. And I know in this next season, one of the things we want to see is even just growth if somebody has musical ability to join our worship team. Like, I think that's one of the things that makes us unique is we're not like filling up teams and saying we have everybody we need, but we're saying no, like, no. hey, like yeah. there's room. Which we actually so want to grow in our team. Yep. Um, Sarah Ruth, I, I want to hear from you again because uh, when it comes to families and the development and the growth of a child all the way into mm. um, adulthood, I mean, that's something that we take seriously. Yeah. And our families, ever since you've come on as our families pastor, has continued to grow. Yeah. It's like every week there's more kids. Awesome. And we're going to have to rent out the entire theater at some point <laughs> to house them all. <laughs> but uh, I'm curious some of the things that your team and some of the things we've been talking about. Yeah, I think... I think you even just started out there, that discipleship track. Like as soon as, you know, a fresh baby comes into our nursery program, (laughs) what does their discipleship track look like all the way graduating high school? And just thinking too, like what are the foundational truths that we're instilling? What are the leaders and the team? Yeah, yeah, what's the team? And it's actually, I absolutely love the family ministries team, the youth leaders, the kids leaders, just how much they pour themselves mm-hmm. into the kids yeah. and how much they care about them, even outside of just like in the programs, yeah. they talk about them later, they're praying for they them. They write letters for them. Yeah, they write letters. I think letters. they got multiple letters from their youth or their um, kids' leaders. Yeah, and yeah. just like throughout that discipleship journey, 
what can we do as a team looking into the future to also just deepen those yeah. Um, yeah. things that we're trying mm -hmm. to really teach our kids and you know care mm -hmm. for them and so i think uh yeah thinking through some of those things and working with the team to mm -hmm. really figure out that track because you know we only have like an hour a week maybe with mm -hmm. the right. kids yeah. and it's like how can we in mm -hmm. that hour have fun make us make it a safe yeah. space but also really just teach yeah. them about yeah. jesus and yeah. mm -hmm. really create a strong mm -hmm. faith for them it's great um, yeah. Yeah, and as a parent, I mean, that's just like the best hearing that, you know, that kind of growth and the track that, that you have them on there. It, it does feel like unified, like, wow, like we're not in this mm -hmm. alone. There's other people who are part of this church that care about our kids and their faith right. and their relationship with right. God. And it's a, yeah. it's a cool thing to see. I don't know, just like another idea that's come up and uh, whether or not we, well, we are going to do part of this this year, but is, you know, camps for the kids yeah. and even youth retreats and that sort of thing that we're going to start getting off the ground. Yeah. Some of those things will be this year, some will be in the near future. And then uh, not only do we care about our own families here at our church, but even just thinking through potentially starting a bus ministry, yeah. caring for the, the kids in our community. And yeah. that's a big lift. Yeah. That's one that we can all be praying into as a church. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, some of it is just obvious. It's like, well, obviously we're going to disciple and grow people within locals and, and in our Sunday services, our families. Yeah. But in a lot of the things that you lead, Ben, like there's an important aspect of growth in some of the things that you lead. And I, I want you to just expand on that for us. Sure. So as many of you probably won't know, which is probably a good thing, uh, I lead a lot of the stuff that's in the back end. Called, we call them like the enabling teams that are really there to support the ministry teams in what you guys are doing to disciple people to outwork that. Yeah. And then things like connections on how are we really connecting people well so that we're right. actually getting them into things like alpha, into things like right. locals, onto yeah. things like teams, because we don't want anyone to fall yeah. through the cracks. Yeah. If yeah. anyone can just come on a Sunday and show up and leave, like that's not really a win for us. We're not looking yeah. for numbers. We want to see people growing. And yeah. so one of the big focuses for us as the connections team this year is to really how do we resource teams locals in making sure nobody falls through the cracks yeah and that those people are highlighted so that we can reach out to them we can talk to them and say yeah. you right. belong here we can yeah. like, we want this for you yeah and how we can do that really really well so excited for what that's gonna look like mm -hmm. cool. um i had a, a family growing up and so and a, a really healthy family i'm really thankful for my mom and dad and they're just wonderful people. And one of the, the staples in us growing up is we always had people over. Mm. Like so many dinners just had somebody who I didn't even know or, yeah. you know, throughout the summer, our backyard, we had a, a fairly large backyard and it wasn't just for us. It was like we either had a volleyball net set up or soccer nets. And every night of the week, it seemed, there was new people in our backyard. I think a healthy home um, both the, the, like the blood families were a part of, like the ones that were like either married to or our kids have been born into, and as well as a church family is one that is constantly inviting people in. Yeah. So, um, Nate, um, we just came out of talking about growth yeah. and, um, we're also talking about being an inviting church and we're just from a local's perspective, um, we've got to be in it. We've got to be showing both of these things. Yeah. I think like at the end of the day, we really want to make sure that if 
our church and our locals were to disappear from our city, that people would notice that mm, yeah. and that they would actually mourn that loss, yeah. right? Because of the significant impact and the ways that we're woven into the fabrics of our community yeah. because of our hospitality and our welcoming. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And so we want to be working with locals, you know, as people continue to, uh, you know, like you said, be discipled really well and to have relationship and to be encouraged forward in our personal faith, but also to make sure that we're actually seeing our communities around us. Yeah. That locals are actually on a mission to their neighborhoods yeah. that, you know, I think one day it'd be amazing if we could build to a place where every neighborhood has a local who is saying, hey, we are reaching this neighborhood. Yeah. We are for this neighborhood. That's we're right. throwing block parties there. Right. We're intentionally joining the parent teacher association. Yeah, we're like right, getting right. integrated right. into the fabric of yeah. it. Yeah. And we're consistently inviting people into not just come out to church, yeah. but into relationship mm -hmm. with us. Yeah. yeah. Um, inviting in. Uh, I mean, locals are going to do this so well. And I think that it's interesting because like traditionally in a church, it's always about inviting into Sunday gatherings. Right. And one of the things that we've, we've kind of really clarified for ourselves is really what we're actually trying to invite people into is we're trying to invite people into Christian community. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes that means in, in a, a local event that we're running. Mm -hmm. Even this idea of we've been talking about like a party in a box. Yeah, uh, a, yes, a block party in a box. Block party in a box where we would actually have a trailer um, filled with everything that you would need to run a block party for your neighborhood and that your local would come around, whether that's, uh, well, we'll figure it out for all demographics, but let's talk about family locals for a second, where that a local can come around family throw a block party, yeah. which includes like barbecue, blow up castles, that sort of thing. And you can basically rent out the, the block party box. Yeah. We'll bring it to you, set it up in a park near your house. And we'll actually just like have a great time yeah. uh, blessing the community. Yeah. And I think that's a great way for our locals to be inviting people in. Yeah. Or if they're going bowling, inviting a neighbor into your local's bowling event. Yeah. Where I realize this is kind of our church gathering. But, and then there is like inviting to Sunday gatherings. We can't lose that because yeah. that's, a, that's a place where people hear the gospel. It's yeah. a place where we give an opportunity to respond to the gospel. Yeah. And we don't want to lose that heart. Yeah, and I just think like thinking through that from even just the communication side. Like, I like what you're talking about, Nate, that we're woven into the fabric of our community. And if we were to leave, there'd be real impacts that mm -hmm. were to be there. Even just from a visibility standpoint, like oftentimes you can drive through cities and be like, is there even a church like in this, in this city? Right. And I think for us, it's like, what does it look like for people to drive through and be like, oh yeah, it's that place. Like you come to Waterloo, you know that there's universities there. You come to Waterloo, you know that Slate Church is there. Like how do we actually begin to so show that to our community around us? Right. So there's visibility so that we can't, Nobody can walk by and go like, oh, I never mm -hmm. heard of that place. You know yeah. what I mean? Whether they choose to come is a different thing, but they'd be aware of that. Yeah. And as students even step into the city, right? Is there oh, like yeah. the, the influx, in-person classes, they're back. Like, yeah. yes. it's awesome. I love students yes. so much. And yeah. it's like, but hey, here's a space for you. Like, you don't have to be alone in this city. Yeah. Um, you, you actually belong as part of what's happening here at Slate Church. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's an important piece. That's great. Okay. So... Next week is our Heart for the House Sunday. Yeah. We're talking about, we've talked about even just godly view of money last week. We're talking about it this week as well, and we're going to be talking about it next week because we prepare to give. There's a real opportunity for a building uh, that we're, we're having conversations around. You've heard for two weeks just some snippets of what we're dreaming of as a leadership team and as we've been dreaming with you. Yeah. Our hope is that you've also been dreaming with us. And that's all within, remember those three things we talked about last week, that's all within building a strong local church. Yeah. Yeah. I want to remind you as well, church, like we got to ho host our first pastor's gathering 
um, about a month and a half ago and my yeah. friend Jason was with us. That's great. And that's moving in the direction of building a network, a hub for the renewal of the church in Ontario where we actually see resources in our, um, in our province. And here's one of the things, like, quite honestly, it's on my heart as a pastor, on Emma's heart, and then on our hearts as lead team, is that in 10 years from now, we would see um, less churches closing and more churches opening. Yeah. We want to see the reversal of the fact. If, if you didn't know this, but the church is actually in decline uh, in Canada. And we actually want to see it within the province of Ontario, the area that we can influence. That over the next 10 years, we're actually a part of funneling resource to need. Yeah. And we're actually seeing more um, pro uh, church properties yeah. uh, stay in the hands of, of, of yeah. the kingdom rather than being sold to developers and that sort of thing. Yeah. We are in a kind of in a, in a, a critical point as a church in Ontario, and I don't mean us as a church as much as Capital C Church, yeah. that we're selling some property that we're never going to get back. We're, we're seeing some pastors leave the ministry that are, are never going to come back. Yeah. And we actually have a really big heart as a church, this is something we've been talking about very deeply, and we're already in the, the midst of setting up this network to enable stories of growth and good things that are happening in Ontario to be shared, as well as those that are within churches that they're not sure what to do with the extra resource that they have, either time, energy, finances, to connect it to not only Slate Church and the things that we're doing, but really to like the church. And it's something that we're becoming more, in fact, it's not just something we're becoming more passionate about. As we've been talking about this with other pastors, doors are beginning to open. And it's really cool because us as a church get to be a part of that. The final column is education. And all we'll say there is we have some really bold dreams for 50 years down the road. Yeah. And we're not going to share those right now. But right now, one of the things that we're developing is actually a gap year program. And that's all we're going to say about that. But we really think that it's going to be a, a blessing to those that are part of our church as well as those outside of our church. Right. So church, over the next year, what we really want to develop is a healthy home here at Slate Church. One that enables us to do all of these things outside of our church as well as within our church. We ask that you continue to pray in the next week and what God would have you give. And uh, I mean, big things are happening. Yeah. I want to thank you guys. Em and I want to thank you for just being an incredible lead team and people that um, so many in our church look up to you guys are phenomenal leaders and we wouldn't want to do this with anybody else thank you it's great alright see you next well see you in a minute I think I'm coming up on the stage <laughs> <laughs> alright I made it all the way from the studio um, yeah I just want to uh, sorry about that he turned it up while I was in a pause, and then I yelled. Um, just want to thank the lead team again for just uh, your diligence and even just leading all of the teams, volunteers, uh, locals that we have represented, even here in the room. I just want to thank you for being a, a faithful and great church and even coming into this season where we know that um, we're able to, to lean in in faith that God is in the midst of everything that's going on in our church, whether it be and, and things are ramping up very quickly, and that's where it can sometimes feel like, oh, man, there's a lot going on. Whether that be like live stream getting going just last week 
And that's like, <laughs> we're kicking it off during the Heart for Those series, but it's like it's a lot at once. Or it's the Portuguese translation just off to my right or your left that's just kicked off. And we're trying to serve those in our community and uh, serve uh, our church in different ways into this next season. And I just want to thank all of you for being a part of that and for being faithful and for just being great. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, money and generosity. Uh, if you thought like, oh, we're going to go into three weeks of uh, finances, we're going to go into three weeks of generosity, and you're like, man, like, I don't know, and uh, maybe you're like, maybe, you know, I'll just take in two weeks or maybe one week, and I'll just get all of it in me or whatever. Um, we're already like, by the time we're done here today, we're done two-thirds of the series. So you've already heard about um, finances and financial giving because um, I'm one of these guys that when I'm speaking about something, I'm so self-critical while I'm prepping for it, and I go, man, am I living this out? Is this what's happening in my life? Am I uh, answering the call to the degree that God is asking me, uh, me to uh, challenge our church in? Am I answering that myself? And one of the things I appreciated about this season and appreciate about this season in our church is that it constantly um, uh, calls me to a higher level in the way that I see all that God has given me. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about that right now. Why don't we pray, and then we're going to open up uh, the Bible in a I, I don't even know if I've ever spoken out of this passage or out of this book even. Um, and so we're going to dive into that, okay? You got any guesses what book we're diving into? It's not Malachi. <laughs> All right, let's pray. <laughs> like, do you expect us to like answer you right now? <laughs> like, well, what's the expectation on that one? All right, uh, you don't have to answer. You answer in your head, see if you're right. God, thank you for uh, just what you're doing in our church. God, I thank you for the fact that you are active, you are alive. Jesus, you are good, and you're, you're great. God, we come here this morning, and many of us, we either took public transit or we drove here, and most of us are in fairly good health, and we're breathing, and we see another day, and God, we just want to thank you. I want to thank you for all that we have. I want to thank you for all that you provided and all that you continue to provide. Jesus, as we continue on as a church, God, we pray the prayer of Moses. God, if your presence doesn't go up here with us, do not send us up from here. God, we need you. We love you. We're thankful for you. We pray this in your mighty name. And everybody said. All right, let's, uh, let's try that again. And everybody said. <laughs> you okay this morning, church? Uh, live stream, it's... Uh, it's uh, good to see you, and I'm, I'm so glad. Emma, right now you're at home, so I can actually talk to you. Uh, make sure you get lunch on for about 11.35. So when I'm coming home, uh, I'll be hungry after service. And that's not a, a, a chauvinistic statement. She's there, and I'm not able to do that. So I'm just telling you. It's good to see you. Uh, Emma's at home with our daughter, Kensington. She's feeling, feeling ill, or she is ill. She's not just feeling it. I'll spare you the details. But uh, it's great that we can have the live stream for, for uh, instances like that. So we're going to open up uh, the Bible this morning to First uh, Chronicles. Did anybody think of Chronicles? A bunch of groaning. <laughs> There's 66 books to choose from, and nobody chose Chronicles. <laughs> I'm not disappointed. <laughs> I wouldn't have chosen that either. I would have chosen Malachi. That's the first thing that came to my mind. Here we go. In uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, we read of an instance where God is about to move his temple. And, and this is where you're going to be like, oh, like you're, you're really like you're leaning into a, a narrative. Is it, does it really re uh, apply to us? Um, it does. 
um, but maybe not in the specific ways we might think, but in the broad ways in which we're going to look for in just a moment. And the reason I say that is just too often we read ourselves into Scripture in moments where we shouldn't be reading ourselves into Scripture, and mainly it's just a question of whether or not we're doing it specifically or generally. And really, uh, all of Scripture is written to us generally, in a sense, to make sure that we are moving towards Christ and that we're moving towards his end and all the rest. Um, but for us to say, like, I'm David and, and we're Israel and all the rest, well, we're not. Like, we're, we might be the new Israel and th- those sorts of things. But it's important to recognize where we are in the story. So where we are in the story here is we have the nation of Israel, the vehicle in which God has chosen to bring about Jesus, the Messiah, the salvation of the world into the world. And we have Israel moving from a uh, mobile uh, temple setting to a physical location. See what I did there? But this is legit. Because we know Moses was given all these plans to build a mobile temple. Everywhere where they would go, they'd be like, okay, uh, hitch it up to the camels. We're going to the next place. And they'd have to do all these rituals in order to move the temple of God with them as they're going and conquering nations, which is obviously not a part of our story. Um, And hopefully it won't be. But uh, what we have here is we have David, who is a Moses type. And over and over again, the writers of uh, First Chron- or the writer of First Chronicles, who is anonymous to us, is recapping large portions of Kings, First and Second Kings, and Samuel. And as he's doing that, what he's trying to do is he's trying to create this narrative and show us this narrative how David becomes the second Moses, or he becomes a Moses type. And in the process, he's moving the temple from being this mobile unit where they set up literally like pipe and drape, which is really thick, uh, much better than the pipe and drape that we have. They set up all of these different things, and they're going to start moving it into a physical location. And God had given David the plans to do this, but also said to David, because there is so much blood on your hands, you are not to build the temple. And so David has to wait for his son Solomon to be old enough to build the temple. Now, this is where we pick up the story. It says this, Then King David said to the whole assembly, speaking to Uh, those who have assembled in the nation of Israel. My son Solomon, the one one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. Uh, Nothing like a father to both congratulate his son on the accomplishment that's before him and also make sure he knows his place. The task is great because this palatial structure, and that is a word that I want to add to my vocabulary, palatial structure is not for man but for the Lord God. With all my resources, I have provided for the temple of my God. Gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, and wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise stones of various colors, and all kinds of fine stone and marble, all of these in large quantities. That's how we're going to decorate the new church, by the way. (laughs) Where am I? I shouldn't have made that joke. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God. Over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple. 3,000 talents of gold, gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the buildings, for the gold work and the silver work, and for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now, and this is a question that he uh, poses to the nation of Israel, Who is willing to consecrate themselves today to the Lord? 
Then the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave towards the temple, on the temple uh, work on the temple of God, 5,000 talents and 10,000 derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Any who had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the temple of the Lord in the custody of Jehiel the Gershonite. The people uh, rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. David the king also rejoiced greatly. See, in the midst of the Heart for Those series, one of the things we're trying to inspire is all the work that God, we believe God wants to do through our church here in the Waterloo region, and as you've been hearing over the last couple of weeks, also within the province of Ontario, which we feel really indebted towards uh, in terms of answering the Great Commission in our setting. We feel indebted to that, but in one of the ways, uh, one of the barriers that stands in the way in a Heart for the House season is really ourselves and our own relationship with finances. And one of the, when I say that I get excited to speak about finances when it comes to the heart for the house, I get excited because of what it does to my soul. I have to reckon with the fact that between last heart for the house and this heart for the house, Brandon got stingy somewhere along the line. And as I encourage my church to give, I'm being uh, convicted myself to reorient the way that I see finances in the world today. There are two things that everybody has to grapple with in the world, whether you like to or not. It's health and it's money. At some point, there's going to be a reckoning on our health and the way that we treated our bodies. And we can't do anything in this world today without some level of understanding of the finances around us. Now, in reading The Psychology of Money, Morgan Housel says this, To grasp why people bury themselves in debt, you do not need to study interest rates. You need to study the history of greed, insecurity, and optimism. Now, what he's saying here is for some of us, uh, a lot of the things, and, and I mean, a good portion of the book that I, I read in preparation for this, I read a, a couple of books, or actually a few books in preparation of this. Um, uh, the good portion of the beginning of this book is dedicated to the fact that so many of us feel like we don't have enough. And really, it's not that we don't have enough. It's that we're too greedy with the things that we do have and the things that we don't have. As I said, I wake up every morning, and while I have a two-car garage, which some of you are like, wow, I'm envious of that. Uh, I, would, I wake up every morning, I will open up my front door, and I look at a house that has three garages. And I'm like, what do you, do, what do you gotta do in life to get that? And as soon as we get one thing, we're constant, constantly comparing with what we have with those that have another thing, and we're eternally dissatisfied with what, what is going on in our souls. First Chronicles, one of the things that um, it, it starts to get into in the later parts of that book of the Bible, and in fact, First Chronicles and Second Chronicles are, are simply one book, but they were recorded on two scrolls, and that's why we have First Chronicles and Second Chronicles. And one of the things that it's addressing is the chronic need or the chronic um, uh, condition of the Israelites to believe that God, their God, had not given them enough. And right in the middle of these scrolls, just before they finish one scroll and they start writing, this anonymous writer starts writing the second scroll, we have this example of David where he says, listen, I'm going to show you another way in providing and being generous towards God himself. And what he says, he introduces his son, but then he goes on to say, the task is great because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord God. 
See, the first thing that we have to understand is that everything we have comes from God. We addressed this last week. Paul, in 1 Timothy 6, 6 to 10, says this. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. You know the old quip that you don't see any U-Hauls being pulled by hearses. Nobody on their deathbed is asking for one final look at their bank account before they breathe their last breath. There's nothing we can take out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Can we pause for a second and realize that Paul is, is almost like, he's talking to Timothy and Timothy's about to deliver, us to deliver this message to the church in which he is leading. And Paul's not even like suggesting whether or not you should be content. He's saying, no, we are content. He says, but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Does that like challenge anybody that, that hears that this morning? Like food and clothing. How many of us this past week have been worried about food and clothing? Probably not many of us in the room right now. One of the reasons I'm actually excited to move to Emmanuel Baba College is it, it, and, and into, into that property is that we actually will be surrounded by a neighborhood that might be worrying about that a little bit more than some of us in the room today. And it is on us as a church to step outside of our, uh, our ideas and, and the ways that we uh, uh, live our lives and the, and the things that we have and to recognize the plight of the people around us, that there are those that worry about those things. But for those of, those of us that aren't worrying about those things, we're worrying about a lot of things that probably don't matter when it comes to the end of our lives. He goes on to say, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money as a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. As Morgan Heisel says, he says, modern capitalism is a pro at two things, generating wealth and generating envy. And when it comes to our ability to give back to God out of what he's given us, we have to consider what we're actually giving to God for. As David says to his son, he says, listen, the task is great. And the reason that it's great is because this palatial structure is not for ourselves, but for the Lord God. See, the dreams on our church are not meant to serve us. It's not like we're sitting around and like we're organizing our timelines and our, and our calendars as a lead team and we're getting video teams to come in so that we can highlight all the things we're doing for ourselves. No, we do these things and we shoot videos and we gather here on Sundays and we do locals and we do all of these things for who? For God himself. And the thing is, is that the future here at Slate Church is really bright. The future at Slate Church is only, like, I mean, there's only possibilities. It's, it's full of optimism, and it's full of things that we could do. And yet, we have to understand that it's not all for us. It's actually for those that God has called us to serve. It's for God himself, and it's so that we can be reconciled unto God ourselves. And that's one of the great things that we can analyze when it comes to our finances and when it comes to giving towards God is we, we often have to pause and go, you know what, who am I doing this for? Am I building this? Am I showing up on Sundays? Am I going to my local simply to satisfy some religious element inside of myself? Or am I doing this for God himself? Am I trying to honor him in the process? 
The main difference, as I said last week, between the way that the world views money and the way that we are uh, uh, meant to uh, view money within uh, the kingdom of God is that we have to uh, analyze and, and, and realize where all of our provision actually comes from. It doesn't come from our hard work. It doesn't come from our hard work. Did anybody catch what uh, Kim Kardashian said the other day? What, like, yeah. She was like talking about like the company and like uh, what is their show? Keeping up with the Kardashians. That was a slow answer. Nobody wanted to like on this side of the camera, nobody wanted to be like the first one to answer that question. Like, I don't know. Does it have Kardashian in it or something? keeping up with the Kardashians and she's talking about her businesses and that and everything else. And she's in this like interview and, and they ask like, what do you think is, you know, keeping people from, uh, you know, I'm, I'm shorthanding the whole thing. And I, I, I don't really care about this conversation at all, but I don't know why I've got myself into this rabbit hole. But basically she said, she's like, uh, the thing keeping people from the success that I've seen is uh, a lot of people are lazy. And I thought, well, that is just, uh, completely tone deaf. <laughs> uh, and for those of us that have worked really hard, let's not discount the fact that hard work is important. Without hard work, not really anything gets pushed across the line. But the fact that we were born into Canada, born into Ontario, many of us into well-to-do homes, or at least homes that encourage us to do well, I mean, all of that needs to be accounted for. And in the book, Psychology of Money, it would call it luck, but God would call it blessing. And when God gives blessing, there's a requirement to be a blessing. C.S. Lewis has had this to say. He said, one of the dangers of having a lot of money is that you might be quite satisfied with the kinds of happiness money can give and so fail to realize your need for God. If everything seems to come simply by signing checks, you may forget that you are at every moment totally dependent on God. And what that means is that you might be able to supply for yourself financially, but you might walk outside of this theater today and get smoked by a bus, and let's pray that doesn't happen. But God is literally holding our livelihoods in his hands, and we ought to be grateful for the things that he's given us. So it goes on to say, and, and David starts to kind of like, not brag, but tell about all of his giving. Now there's two aspects to this, and I'm going to have to fly through this because there's so much you could say about providing for all that God wants to do and, and giving unto what God is trying to do in the world today. But he lists out all the things that he's giving. And after he says all that, he says, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of God. Over and above everything I have provided for this holy temple. Now, there's two components to giving towards the church. One is regular giving, and we've talked about that. There is a tithe that, that is, um, uh, is present all throughout Scripture. Even before the law was given for the tithe, we see that Abraham is tithing before he's even commanded to do so, which is 10%. This question comes up all the time in church, is that we don't, uh, pastor, I don't see anything about giving or tithing within Scriptures. And, uh, or within the New Testament. And so if it's only an Old Testament thing, like maybe we shouldn't be tithing. And that's great. But the problem with that is that if you actually look at an Old Testament reading of Scripture, what we see is it starts with Abraham giving 10%. And then we go into Moses, and Moses is given uh, commandments to, to tell the Israelites to give 10%, which was a Levitical tithe. He is to command the uh, Israelites to give 10%, which was for a festival tithe. And then every seven years, they were commanded to give a charity tithe. And if you add up these tithes that were commanded by Moses, so it's like, you know what, maybe all of a sudden we want to go back to what Abraham was doing, giving 10%. Because Moses is actually commanding the, the, the nation of Israel to give a tithe that was equal to 23% in the way that it broke down. 
It's a lot of, other than Nate, there's a lot of silent people in the room. And you're like, wait, are you suggesting we give 23%? No, I'm suggesting we do what the New Testament did. Because, yeah, I mean, Jesus affirms, and, and, and as uh, in, in this book, uh, God and Money, we have one person that, uh, that said this, Randy Alcorn. He said, Jesus never lowered the bar. He always raised it. He says this, tithing is the training wheels of giving. It's like, hey, you want to graduate into the, the, the adult game of giving back to God what is his? Start with the training wheels and move on from there. Some of us haven't even gotten on the training wheels. And I will tell you this, that it is removing some level of blessing of God in your life. Not because God is going to give back above and beyond all that you could ask or imagine because you gave to 10%. What I mean is that God can do more with your 90% than you can do with your 100%. And for some of us, we're so stingy in this life because we haven't earned, uh, learned the art of giving back to God that which is his and actually believing that all we have is his and therefore resting secure in where our provision comes from. But in this Levitical tithe, it's like, okay, let's take that because what we see the New Testament church doing is they were selling everything they had and giving to all those who were in need. So we move honestly from the question of, Pastor, nowhere in the New Testament does it say that we're supposed to give 10% into the question of, you're right, so have you given everything? And I don't think anywhere within the New Testament it's commanded to sell everything uh, to us generally here in the year 2022 and give it to the church. But what I do see the pattern throughout the New Testament, as well as many scholars and academics and people that have lived up until this point that are studying the Bible, is that we should have a heart posture that says, God, everything is yours. And if you wanted it today, I would give it back to you. But one of the ways that I remind myself that I'm released from that, which sometimes has a grasp on my heart, is by giving a little bit here and there and giving back to you and giving a portion to remind myself that I'm not in control. Everything I have is actually yours, and I'm willing to re release it to you when necessary. And so David goes into all the things that he had been giving towards the building of the temple above everything. That's not what Heart for the House has ever been about. It's included in this Heart for the House, but to build a place and a, and a, and a community and a family to come alongside what God is building for himself. After he gives, after David gives, he says this, now who is willing to consecrate themselves today to the Lord? And then it says, then the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and the commanders of hundreds and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. They gave toward the, the work on the temple of God. It goes through what they gave. But it says the people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. Again, Morgan Housel, in his book, The Psychology of Money, he said the problem for many of us is that it is easy to find rich role models. They're driving around in their Ferraris right now, or they're or their Audis, or their Volkswagens, or their Teslas. They're living in homes that have been purchased. There, there's a lot of great rich role models. He said it's harder to find wealthy ones because by definition their success is more hidden. Can I add another sentence to this? 
it's harder to find generous ones because by definition, what they do is more hidden. See, when it comes to this passage, one of the things that strikes me about the building of the temple, this is moving from mobile to physical. And in the New Testament, it moves from physical to a body that moves throughout culture and begins to impact it in all the ways that the family of God is meant to impact the culture around it. But one of the things that just strikes me as David starts to give is that it's the leaders that go first. It says the leaders of the families, the officers, the, tri- the, the, tribes, uh, the, officers, the commanders, and the officials all gave willingly. For those of us that want to be leaders in the family of God today, it is important for us to not not just lead in our character and, and everything else, but it is important to lead within our giving. And that's why, I mean, I don't, I don't know who they are. I know one because they told me specifically. But already this past week, next week is our heart for the house. We have some people that already have pledged for the house. Because they're going, listen, I, I'm not waiting. Like, I've been preparing for this. I've been preparing my heart. I've been preparing my, 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 my finances. I have it in order to bless God. And they're going, no, I'm going to set an example for this. But for so many of us, when it comes to giving, we see this as a separate thing we do from all that we do for God. And the thing we have to realize is that managing, managing our finances well is a part of our discipleship. And if we want to lead the people around us well, we need to lead them well in this area as well. And that's why next week when we come together to build a palatial structure, <laughs> that's one thing we're going to do unto God. Is that Em and I are going to lead as well. We're going to search our hearts this week. We're going to, well, we have been. As I said, I've been avoiding Emma all, all around the house. She's like, so I was thinking, I'm like, no, like, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> We have an opportunity to come together as the nation of Israel at one point did and say, God, we're here to continue to build something that you started and we want to be a part of it. But what it's going to take is for a lot of us to reorient our hearts when it comes to our finances and go, God, what would you have me get? How can I be less, how can I be less frugal? How can I be less stingy with all that you've given me? Maybe for some of us, it's a commitment to tithing for the first time. Again, that's the training wheels of generosity. Maybe for some of us, it's a commitment to start giving again. But for all of us, let us think about the above and beyond that we can give next week. Because God's gonna do some miraculous things on the other side of our giving. Can we stand up in this place? Pastor Nate's gonna come up at the end of just a a brief worship set here and he's gonna give us more information on uh, how to give next week and all the rest. Um, But I first first wanna ask those of us in the room, you know, the reason we talk about giving and, and generosity in the church, I mean, we said this last week, it's because the Bible talks about it a lot and not because the Bible or we as Christians are completely tied or or addicted to finances, it's because God understands our dysfunctional relationship with it, and so he wants, us, he wants us to be free. And when we look at the personhood of Christ and what he did, and the reason why we keep doing what we do as a church, even here in Kitchener-Waterloo, we do it because of what God did for us. Like beyond all of the things that we've been provided, the, the most important thing we've been provided is salvation through Jesus Christ. 
So with every head bowed and eye closed in this place, if you never made a decision to follow Jesus, that is the first place. It is, it is a terrible idea to try to give to God without first receiving that he's done everything for you. He paid a price for your sins so that you could be in, a rela- in relationship with God. And so if you're here today and you wanna make that, that, that decision, I'm not gonna point anybody out, but if you'd like to be included in a final prayer here, could you just raise your hand and say, hey, I wanna make a decision to follow Jesus. Yeah, I see that hand. Anybody else? Just going, today's the day. I, I want to start relying on the true provider of everything, including my own salvation, amen. Jesus, I thank you for the hands that are raised in this room. And God, I pray that you would be honored and glorified today. And I pray that your spirit would be poured out for, um, for those that are making this decision. May they be reminded that you died, not just generically for everyone, but for them. You see them, you see what they're going through. God, we pray that you would be with them. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, I want to pray for us just before we, uh, we close here, just into next week and, and uh, just what God would do in our own hearts over the course of this week. Um, so why don't we bow our heads and, and just ask God, could we all just, if you feel comfortable, could you just uh, put your hands out as, as if you were to, to receive, like just in surrender as we begin to pray. God, in this room, we only do this once, once a year. We talk about finances and we talk about, but we'd only do hard for those once a year. And God, as we come together, we, we've had people give up eating out for a whole year. And we've had people, one, one person that, that is about to have more land in, anyway, give up their, give up their, their, their mortgage uh, savings one year. And and even this year, just some of the, the examples that have already come forward in our church of people giving generously. God, for some of us, we, we actually need to be released from our stinginess so that we can be a part of this next week. And God, even for me, God, there's just like so many things I wanna do. I wanna do this and I wanna buy a motorcycle and I wanna go on a trip and I wanna do all that. And yet God, I, I want to be consumed with what you're up to in this region. God, I wanna be more passionate about the things of God than the things that I wanna do. And so God, I pray for those of us that are just like considering going into next week. God, that you would just press upon our hearts what you would have us give, that God, it wouldn't be something that puts too much pressure on us. God, I pray that it wouldn't be something that would completely sink us financially. God, I pray that you would uh, continue to provide even in the midst of this decision-making. And God, I pray that you would be glorified. So God, search our hearts, press upon us, what you would have us do next week. And God, I just pray that you would just guide us and lead us throughout this week. Pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Why don't we worship? Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.